Okay, this morning I'm going to talk about uh, a topic near and dear to our hearts, well, more near and dear to our noses, uh, epistaxis. Uh, it's it's uh, problematic for a lot of people, and not a lot of people like it because it's messy, but uh, it has about a 1% to 2% incidence of emergency department visits, about 450,000 patients a year, and there's about a 60% chance that you're going to have one during your lifetime that's fairly significant. Uh, just a couple of brief things about nosebleeds. We categorize them anatomically in two different realms. We call it anterior or posterior. And that determines a lot as to how you treat it and what ends up happening to the patient. The anteriors are basically anything after you clear the nose and you can see the source. So that's an anterior bleed. If, you, if the patient's still bleeding from and you can't see where it's coming from, it's most likely a posterior source. Um, the um, Bleeding almost always occurs on one side, so it's really important to ask the patient which side did it start because it can work its way up over the septum with a lot of bleeding and holding the nose, which is the first thing a patient should do. Bending over, putting ice on your neck, none of that stuff has ever been shown to make a difference. What you want to instruct the patient to do is grab the nose right below the bone and squeeze as hard as you can for 10 minutes. And if that doesn't stop the bleeding, you should be in the emergency department or somewhere to get treatment. And the reason we, we do that saw, that location is there's a cascade, an arcade of um, uh, arterioles that comes into the septum on both sides at that location called Kieselbox plexus. And about 95% of all anterior bleeds occur there. So if you can get that stopped by pressure, great. Um, if you can't, then it's time to get looked at. And what we'll do after looking and inspecting, if it's bleeding briskly, silver nitrate won't work. And then we use packs. The difference between the anterior and posterior is that the posterior pack requires two balloons. Uh, you've probably seen those. And those are more complicated because they also have the potential, especially older people, to depress respiratory drive and they become hypoxic. So always consider that potential for older patients to... Uh, to admit them, especially if they have a posterior pack or they demonstrate hypoxia or other hemodynamic uh, alterations because of a, a re natural reflex that occurs when you put in a posterior pack. Um, the, the one thing that always seems to be a, a question, and, but I think literature recently has proven it, is do we do antibiotics for packs? And I used to give antibiotics uh, for patients, but the literature now supports uh, not giving it. There are a lot of complications with it, obviously. About 12% of people get diarrhea. There's always potential for allergic reactions and even a small percentage of anaphylaxis. And now with the advent of Clostridium difficile and knowing that any antibiotic can potentially cause that, you want to avoid antibiotics in nasal packs unless it's prolonged, probably more than two days. And several different studies looking at prospective uh, groups, uh, kind of uh, meta-analysis do not support the use of antibiotics in nosebleeds. Okay. Thank you.